I was just a hard worker. Grades didn't come super easy for me. Uh, I had to work at them and I, I'm kind of thankful for that. You know, people that, uh, grades come easy, they, they start to, you know, become lazy. Um, so again, I just was a hard worker. Um, and I, and I knew that I wanted to do great things. So I just put my, uh, head down and, and just forged forward. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Thank you for listening to the show. And don't forget to subscribe today on the Edge of Excellence. We have John Hepworth, co-founder of First Way Fundraising. If you've sold it to raise money for your cheerleading team or your sports team or your scouts group, John Hepworth is the one that supplied it. He's going to talk about how he turned his charitable project into a business and how to be an entrepreneur by age 25. He defines excellence at different places in life, and he's going to talk a lot about the effect of hard work and the process to start and improve your company at such a young age. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, John, thank you very much for coming on the show today and joining us from sunny Southern California. How's your day going today? Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for uh, letting me on. <laughs> excellent. You almost said something other than excellent, but entrepreneurs always answer with excellent because we all saw the same speaker and we were told never, ever answer with anything but excellent. So I'm glad you're having another excellent day. Um, we start off the same way. Every time we do the podcast, we start off with what is your definition of excellence, coincidentally? Well, I would say that excellence uh, is a reflection of a period of time in your life where you basically reach the pinnacle. And what I mean by pinnacle means like you've done everything in your power to achieve the ultimate goal. Um, what does that mean exactly? I would say that it means that you've used all your resources, you've used your experience, you've leaned on others to find uh, different ways of approaching things, and you've come out with the best result. So um, I just feel that excellence comes and goes, more or less. So it's not something that always is uh, there. You can, um, you can have it at one point and then, you know, learn from some mistakes and or make some mistakes, I should say, and then uh, get back to excellence. So it's, you know, uh, it's it's something that comes and goes. You see it in athletics, right? They are an amazing high school athlete. Maybe they end up as a pro in athletics and then they retire. And, you know, a lot of pro athletes retire a lot earlier than other people. And some of them reachieve excellence as a business person or reachieve excellence in philanthropy or reachieve excellence in broadcasting or media or some other industry. 
So they passed. So is the excellence as you define it, uh, it, it's a period of time in your life because what you're able to do and what you're excellent at changes, or can you be excellent at something all your life? Well, you can be excellent at something all your life. It's, it's just, you know, you're not going to be excellent at everything though. So that's why I feel that it's really important to learn from others and, and you're going to make mistakes. And as long as you learn from your mistakes, uh, that's how you achieve excellence because, uh, you know, no one's perfect. Uh, you, we're all going to make mistakes. You just got to get up uh, and, and continue and, and keep that drive. And uh, that's that's the most important thing is to be to have that drive and, and make sure that you uh, do everything you can to achieve your ultimate goal. So steer, still a period of life. It just may be a long period of life. You can be an excellent friend for all your life, but you'll have hiccups. Sometimes you forget to be a good friend. So you're not excellent that moment, but you pick up at most of your life. You are or an excellent business person or an excellent investor or an excellent health nut that's always staying in shape, but you're going to have hiccups. So you may skip some small periods of something that you're excellent on all your life, or you may be like a professional athlete excellent for a period of time and then age settles in and you're not excellent anymore. Love it. Well, let's, yep. let's go back in time way back outside of sunny California, outside of the 73 degree weather that you live year round all the way back to Sudbury, Canada, which is where you're from, right? No, actually I'm from Montreal. <laughs> okay. Close enough. Canada's Canada. Uh, so you're, so you're back up in Montreal what was life like yeah. for you in high school? How did you see yourself and how did you find your path? Life in, in, uh, in high school was, uh, I was definitely driven. Uh, I was a very hard worker. Um, I knew that uh, I wanted to be great. I uh, didn't know how. I didn't have the experience. So, you know, being at such a young age, the only thing that I could really truly rely on was my work ethic, which Honestly, I feel like I uh, developed that at, at a very young age. I always, you know, I saw my father, I saw my my mom. They worked hard, and uh, I I felt that you know if I'm going to get anywhere in life, I, I've got to put the same type of effort into anything that I do. So, you know, at, at a young age, I I picked up uh, while my kids were out, my friends were out there playing, you know, ball hockey uh, or 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 whatever. I was, uh, you know, delivering papers. Um, and I do that, uh, pretty much every day, uh, at a paper route. And then, uh, cause that was basically the only thing I could do at such a young age. I, I wasn't able to work as you know, you, you've got to be a certain age to do that. Um, after that I started babysitting. Um, but for me, it was all, I always wanted to earn money and be able to be independent. Um, which I, I feel is extremely important. Um, and then as soon as I was a, of age, I, I started w working in retail. And so, you know, that to me through high school, um, I just was for me, everything was about just working hard because I, I didn't have the experience to be able to rely on. And I made lots of mistakes, you know, um, I was not shy type of guy, but, uh, I, uh, I actually got along with every type of group. And I felt that that was really important. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of cliques in high school. And uh, I just made sure that I wasn't part of that. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that I was, um, you know, I, I knew everybody and everybody knew me. Um, so, uh, again, um, 
I was just a hard worker. Grades didn't come super easy for me. Uh, I had to work at them and I, I'm kind of thankful for that. You know, people that, uh, grades come easy, they, they start to, you know, become lazy. Um, so again, I just was a hard worker. Um, and I, and I knew that I wanted to do great things. So I just put my, uh, head down and, and just forged for, forward. So you're living in the mountains of, uh, Eastern Canada and there's a lot of jobs out there in the mountains of Eastern Canada. <laughs> uh, there's not a lot of jobs, but you know, I, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You lived in Montreal. I, I forgot. I got that wrong. So uh, you're, you're in Montreal where there are a lot of jobs, uh, not living where whoever else lives that I'm thinking of in the mountains of Canada. And before well, there are, go- there are mountains in Canada in Montreal as well. So, but right. I didn't live in the mountains. We're not talking about those. Uh, so you have a paper route because you're too young, you're babysitting, and then you start working in retail and you're working really hard and you know you want you want greatness. You don't know how. You know that you, you don't have a lot of experience. So your work ethic is to get experience. But was that the right type of experience? Why was that experience? How did that help you later on when you started a business later in life, a paper route, babysitting, working behind the counter in retail? Why would that be the building blocks to a business that you start later? Well, it, it, it this retail is, is you get to meet a lot of different types of individuals and, and, you know, you get to learn how to cope with uh, all these type of individuals and, you know, you've got, I was able to start analyzing the people that were coming in the door and, and realize that some wanted, you know, me to give them all the details of, of <laughs> the, uh, the clothing and others just wanted me to bring stuff to them. And, and so you just, you get to know people that way. And, and that's super important in business is understanding human nature and just being able to adapt to wh- whoever you're dealing with. Um, and I knew I needed you know, the work experience to be able to get to the next level, you know, going into college, uh, coming out of college and, uh, with anything that you do, you know, everybody's going to look at your resume and, and you've got to be able to have a, a, a solid resume. That's, you know, constant, like where you're working, there's never a break. So I, I, I realized that. And that's why I just kept working hard from one job to the next. All right. And, you know, I was, I was asking a rhetorical question. It's the EQ skills. You, you learn to read people. It's the communication skills. It's putting on paper the proof that when you say you aspire for greatness and you say you're going to be a great employee, boom, here's the proof. I've done it all my life. Here's what I learned from each of these jobs. And you don't know until you do it. I, my son's first job was at a restaurant and he was too young to work there. So my buddy hired him at this restaurant. And he went in there kind of a quiet kid and he came out a conversationalist because of interacting with people behind the counter. And he didn't know he was going to get that. You don't know what you're going to get until you're done getting it. Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, also I like, you know, you get into a new environment and uh, like you said, you just don't know how, how you're going to excel because everything's new at that point. And uh, for me, you know, when I, when I did do retail, I, I found out that I was, I was a great seller, you know, like I, I was always top, uh, you know, at my store. Um, we had these comp- competitions uh, weekly and I, I always was number one or two. And I realized, okay, this is something that I'm good at. So, um, 
you know, I saw a path towards my future that, that way. Um, you know, you're going to try things and you're going to find out that, you know, y- you're not good at everything. Right. So you have to find the only way to find that out is if uh, you start experiencing things. And that's what I did. So through, you know, just following this loose path and some serendipity, you start to see what you're good at. You got to get to gab. You're good at working with people, starting to lead people into decisions. And then you move to university and you start up university. And I don't know what you studied in school. So maybe talk about what you studied in school. And I know you did the student painter thing. So uh, why don't you talk about how you found that and what skills you developed from those experiences in uh, college? Sure. So I was in a major in economics, uh, did student painters. Um, my, my parents actually, I actually was looking for something that would, um, I would make enough money to be able to support myself. I've never, I, I I've supported myself my whole life. I've never leaned on anybody, uh, financially for, for, to support me. So I was looking for something that, uh, you know, I can make a lot of money if I put the effort into it. And I knew that retail would not it wouldn't be uh, feasible um, just because, you know, there's, there's a certain limit that you, you have when you work retail, you, you can only make so much. So I came across student uh, painters and um, it was honestly one of the uh, best experiences that I, I had um, because it really threw me into everything you need or, or, or would want in, in trying to better yourself. It, it, uh, it, it taught me, you know, um, to basically make sure that, uh, I, I managed my time a little bit better than I had in the past because you're, you're working 12 hours a week, uh, 12 hours a day, uh, seven days a week. And if you don't manage your time, right. Um, you'll fall, you'll fall behind. And, and, uh, it, it really, um, made me realize that, uh, time management at that point was super important to succeed. So, uh, I got down and, and um, you know, would schedule my day uh, early in the morning um, and then keep to that schedule. Um, and that's basically what made me super successful at it. Uh, I just, my, I knew I, I had the work ethic. I just didn't know that I, I was going to be able to manage it uh, the way I did. Plus, you know, uh, it was, I, I, I basically, my territory was, eight hours uh, drive. So I would literally have to go home on the weekends from school and uh, basically do 10 um, estimates a day on Saturday and Sunday and then drive back to school. So I did that for like two months. And so uh, before I I came finally back uh, during the summertime to produce all the work that I had booked. So yeah, um, student works really you know, with the training that you guys did, uh, that's one of the things that uh, helped me out a lot as well. Um, that's what I mean by learning from others, because, you know, when you're young, you just don't have that experience and you've got to lean on others to be able to get you uh, further in life. And uh, and I still have that sense today where, you know, you're not a know-in-all and uh, you've, you've really got to um, not uh, just do things by your own. Uh, you definitely have to rely on others and, and do your research and I don't know, just, you know, learn from them. Are you enjoying the show thus far? 
We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com slash podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. All right, so you're you're in college and you used every name of the company that I am a co-owner of. So it was once called Student Painters and that name went away because they couldn't copyright it. Then it was called Student Works, which it still is up in Canada, different guy, Chris Thompson. And now we have College Works down here. So John, we're gonna use the right name for the company that you work for, but we're not talking about it anymore anyway. So you did the College Works thing, you're in high school, you're working your butt off, you're in college and you found a place to put your effort into. And in your case, it was the college works program and your college works and student works don't exist in every state. But the point is find a place to shine, find a place where you can devote your energy to find a place that's going to challenge you. And I'm sure when you looked at it, you probably thought you were a genius at time management. You probably thought you had all the um, hardworking experience that you needed. You probably thought you had the gift of gab and could sail sand to the beach. And then you did the college works thing. And just like any really difficult experience, vector marketing, going to Alaska on a fishing boat, um, you probably had some aha moments where you found out you weren't good at things. And then over the course of a little trial and error, you became good. Was there any one thing that you remember besides time management that you really improved on those uh, during those long drives and those long weekends and those long summer hours? Yeah. The one thing I did learn um, that, you know, I, 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 I like to treat others the way I like to be treated. And uh, I found that a lot of my, my, you know, my workers that uh, didn't feel the same fit the same description as I, um, it was difficult for me to be able to deal with them. Um, and I had I, one thing I did learn that I I've got to, to be able to cope with others that are not exactly the way I am. So, um, I would say that that's one thing that I definitely learned that, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be faced with people that aren't exactly like you, but you, you can't necessarily just cut them out of your, 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 uh, existence, <laughs> you got to be able to cope with them. So I feel like that I was able to definitely, uh, learn from, to, to cope with other people that don't have the same feelings as I do, uh, about dealing with other people. Really? So you had people working for you that didn't like to treat others as they wanted to be treated. Yeah. You know, you, you, you when you're, when you're young, you, you know, you're, you're dealing with, uh, <laughs> time right and and there's only so much uh of it to be able to produce especially with you know student works uh i i, I had to build the crew really quick um and uh, there's only so many workers out there so you do have to deal with the people that you're dealt with and uh sometimes they're not the best that you could possibly get but you know 
they're, they're just like today, you know, there's lots of companies out there that are trying to hire people and, and can't find the workforce. Uh, Cause uh, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't want to work, <laughs> which is a, a sad situation we're in, but uh, you got to just deal with these people. And, and uh, so it's, it's a lot harder to be able to mold those people into what you feel like um, because they, they, they haven't had the same type of experience that you have or aren't driven the way you are. So uh, yeah, I would say that, that that's one thing I definitely had to learn to, to be able to cope with them and, and manage them. So, you know, at, at such a young age, you don't have the experience of managing these people as well. So that's, that's another thing that I had to, to definitely deal with, uh, you know, just making sure that the, the job got done and, and that they <laughs> stayed on board and were somewhat happy. To, uh, and, uh, that's, that's another key that, uh, I feel in any business that you do is uh, the, the, the people that you're working with, you want to make sure that they're, they're happy. And, uh, you know, that means uh, being a chameleon to them sometimes. So do you, as you move through life and you started your other business and you gained the success in the fundraising, fundraising industry that you did, did you stop employing people that didn't have that uh, treat others as you want to be treated attitude? Were you able to only hire people that, were more similar well, to you had, in that way in the future. Yeah, I did. And, and, you know, because I had more time. Right. So, you know, like I said, I, I, my, uh, during college, my business was eight hours away. And, and, uh, so when I'd come home over the weekends, I only had so much time to be able to do a million and one different things. And, uh, so I wasn't able to, you know, interview as many people as I could possibly want to. So, as you know, when I left that, uh, you know, student works and, and started my first wave fundraising group, I was, a, I had a lot more time and I, I made sure that I did hire the people that, uh, were in line with my way of thinking. And, uh, it, it really helps out a lot. It, it really did. Um, I mean, the, the, the people that you, you know, work for you are, 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 are everything, uh, you know, your company, uh, it depends on, on, on those people. Cause you're not going to be at the forefront, uh, of your, your customers. They are. So you want to make sure that they're in line with you. And so I had a lot more time to be able to, uh, you know, hire the, the right people and, and it worked out real well for me. All right. Well, let's talk about first wave fundraising and how it started. So you're in college, you did the college works thing. Uh, you were really good at it. You're, uh, running, uh, the exterior and you had this buddy that was running the interior and you had complimentary businesses. And after college, the two of you joined together and went off to start a business. How did that work? How did you and Jamie figure out that you wanted to start a business together? And what was the process of starting that when you were done with college? That's well, funny because, you know, when we, when we were in, in college and, and doing the student um, works thing, Jamie and I would, uh, you know, we'd go out at night with uh, all our friends and, <laughs> you know, we, we'd find ourselves always talking about the business and, and we're like, you know, we've really excelled at this and, and, you know, we see eye to eye and uh, we should definitely do something in the future. And we didn't know what I was a, a year ahead of him. Uh, I was graduating before him. And, um, you know, uh, I, I actually took a job coming out of, um, college and, uh, a very good paying job uh, for that matter. Back in 1993, uh, I was the, um, I worked for London life, which is a, uh, an insurance company up in Canada. 
And I was in their employee benefits and um, pension uh, division. And there was only 12 of us. It was very competitive. Um, I got the job, probably, I, I don't even know how many people they interviewed, but again, there was only 12 of us in Canada that had this position. And so I, I, I knew I wanted to take that job, even though I, I knew I wanted to work for myself in the future, because I knew that London Life, an insurance company, would give me the training like no other. And, and absolutely, that's exactly what happened um, for, for, you know, eight weeks, they sent us up to a, uh, London, of course, where it comes the name, London Life, and we were trained um, and then came back to our territories and, and, and worked the, uh, with all the reps. Anyways kind of going off on a tangent here when Jamie finally did graduate uh, because we, he, you know, him and I both said to each other, look, we got to get our school behind us. Like that's, that's a given. So, you know, we're not going to start whatever we're going to start uh, when you're still in school. So when you get out of school, you know, let's talk about things. And um, it just so happened that um, we uh, started uh, needed to fundraise for a nonprofit and we developed a program called scratch and help. And that scratch and help that we developed was a uh, fundraiser that uh, basically, um, if you can visualize a booklet that has 50 boxes on it that range from 50 cents to $3 and they have a silk screen on it. And you go to your neighbor and you you'd scratch open one box, it would, you know, it would raise up a uh, dollar and then you scratch open another it would be dollar uh, fifty. They would donate that to the nonprofit. And in return, you'd give them a sheet of coupons. We, we had sponsors like uh, Pizza Hut, uh, Subway, uh, TCBY, uh, to name a few. And anyways, we, we did this with, for this nonprofit. It was super successful. And that, that was when the light bulb went off. And we're like, you know what? Let's just take this and, and go nationwide with this. So we developed a business plan. And we were this was up in Canada. And him and I... Um, actually came down in um, January of 1993 <laughs> and uh, we we tried to do a feasibility study uh, here in California to see if it would work down here and some of the things that we needed to make sure that you know it would work was hey could we get the sponsors and those sponsors were the ones that gave the coupons uh, let's see what the response would be from people just in these nonprofits to see if they, you know, in sports associations to see if they had a, any interest. So we came down here for three weeks, managed to unbelievably uh, get Pizza Hut nationwide, which was the first time they had worked with anybody um, in, in uh, fundraising, uh, got them to give us a coupon. Um, and then we, we talked to a bunch of schools and nonprofits and, and sports associations, and they were all interested. We had no product. We had a just a, you know, uh, you know, the old one which was up in Canada, and it was a, it was bilingual, so we couldn't use it in the U.S. But we were showing them everything that we had up there, and they loved it. So, what we did was uh, we applied um, for a visa to come down here and work, and um, we literally got the visa within three weeks, which is unheard of. Like normally, these visas would take months and months to get. And so as soon as we got that visa within three weeks, we were like, okay, this is our calling. And uh, so we came down here and we, we packed up everything, moved down and we started our business. And, uh, you know, that was 28 years ago. And 
been such a, quite an adventure. Is there something unique in people like you? You're you're off doing something to help out a charity, and then boom, this should be a business. And then you're doing the business, and boom, I wonder if there's a bigger market. And then you come down to the market, you test it out for three weeks, and boom, I really think we can do this. What is it that you got inside you or Jamie has inside you that gives you the confidence to say, okay, leave London life. Let's do this. This is a business or say, Hey, this worked for one nonprofit. It should work for thousands of nonprofits. What is it that you guys have inside yourselves that other people listening to the call, they could think, do I have that inside myself? Oh, the one thing of course is, you know, being willing to take those chances. Uh, it's not everybody that's, you know, a lot of people, have comfort in, in doing the same thing over and over again. And for us at that time, um, we were willing to do anything, anything it took to, to succeed. So, you know, we're young, we didn't have any responsibilities. Uh, we weren't married, you know, we could drop everything. We literally didn't have any possessions. We thought, Hey, there's no better time. at such a young age to be able to just pack up all our things and go try it. Why not? We knew we had the work ethic. We knew, you know, we had the the skills to be able to, you know, make the sales because we had done that feasibility study. And uh, so we just took took the challenge and, you know, we, we just had it in us to, to be able to, you know, it's, it's something to be able to do that. You're right. Uh, it's not everybody that can do that. But what, you know what, what's the worst thing that could happen? It, you know, you fail and you go back and, and, you know, you start something else. If you don't try things, you're never going to succeed. And, you know, what, what you envision sometimes, you, you kind of, you underestimate what you can, you may overestimate what you can do in the short run, but you can also underestimate what you can do in the long run. And for us, you know, we never envisioned that we'd be still doing this for 28 years. And it's, it's just a dream that, uh, you know, um, as long as you've got that, that drive, I think you can accomplish anything you set your mind to. So it starts with a willingness to take a chance and then it's a focus on your goal and a willingness to do whatever it takes to hit that goal at the same time, open to new ideas. Cause you didn't have a crystal clear plan. And there's always so many people that have this crystal clear plan. I wanted to be a lawyer. Someone wants to be a doctor. They want to start a SaaS business whatever it is, but being open to the side ideas and the little things that pop up that may be better than your idea. And then finally, not afraid of failure. And when you're in your twenties and you don't have a spouse and you don't have a house payment and you don't have a lot of debt and you don't have kids, it's a lot easier to fail than if you had all those things. So you got started early. You had the ability to move just one person, not an entire family down to California. You came and you had your scratch product and that worked well for years. And then you all had to reinvent your business, right? So you're still in the fundraising business, but now you have a variety of products and a variety of ways for uh, people to make money. And is that the same, the same path willingness to take a chance, still wanting to hit your goal, open to a new idea, not afraid to fail. Absolutely. You know, you've got to be able to adapt and that's another keys to success is, you can't just sit back and, and enjoy your success because it's always going to come to an end. It doesn't matter what you do. You, you know, like you mentioned being a professional athlete, you know, you, you've only got so much good years in your life of, of, of being an athlete. So, 
you've got to be able to think forward and you've got to be able to uh, learn from what's going on around you. So you've, you'll, you know, for us, we saw the, the writing on the wall. We, we realized that, you know, every product has a, a cycle and uh, we saw that, you know, uh, we were climbing, 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 and it got to a point where we were kind of peaking and we were doing everything we could to even get more sales. But there's just so much uh, that you could do to, to push your sales. And we reached a peak level. So we realized, okay, if we don't do something now, uh, you know, we might not be in business for three years. Um, so we started thinking outside the box and we were like, okay, look, we, we work with a lot of nonprofit and sports organizations. And, and we realized that, you know, if they don't want this product, they're going to want a, some other type of fundraiser. So why, why not offer them other fundraisers? You know, we've been a supplier for the last decade, but uh, now it's time maybe that we start, you know, becoming a distributor of other programs. So that's when we contacted Auntie Anne's, which is a, a well-known brand in here in the U.S. Uh, for pretzels, and and we uh, we approached them and said, "Hey, look, we'd love to push your your product to schools and and uh, sports groups." And they're like, "Wow, they were they were open to it." So we literally brought them into the fundraising industry. So we started selling Auntie Anne's, and then we brought on cookie dough, and then we kept we step just kept on um, bringing on products, and you know. Funny thing is, uh, we've we probably pushed, I would say, w- without exaggerating, maybe thirty different products, and now we only have about eight in our uh, repertoire of things that we offer. And it's because, you know, not every product is going to be successful, just like not every business is going to be successful, right? So, we brought them on, we we pushed as hard as we could, and realized sometimes, you know, things don't work out that well. So we just dropped the line and we, we went with, you know, what sells. So we just kept introducing new things. And today we're uh, one of the big, you know, probably one of the largest online companies there is in the U S and that's 100% um, because we've been able to uh, bring on new products, uh, get rid of the old products that don't work and uh, keep it simple. Uh, that's a super important thing too. One thing we learned uh, about <laughs> going back to student works, you know, uh, you, you, we used to paint houses and, and come when I first started with a fan deck of a thousand different colors. And I'd, I'd be sitting there for about an hour while the wife and, and, and husband would be, you know, going through the fan deck and not being able to choose what color they wanted on their walls. And then one day I was like, this is crazy. Like I, I'm wasting so much time here. Why don't I just come in with like a here's a grays, like maybe five of them, here's browns, and I brought it from a thousand colors down to about 30, and I was out of there in about 10 minutes because they were able to choose the color. So keep it simple, super important. All right. So you start your business with the willingness to take a chance and doing anything to hit that goal, be it open to new ideas. A lot of serendipity you're talking about, serendipitous business partnership from your job you had in college, serendipitous business idea from a little project you did for a charity serendipitous win because you got a visa fast and you've got that same pattern as your road to adapt adaptability take a chance do anything to hit your goal be open to new ideas not afraid to fail and then probably you add for the adaptability measure it because not all ideas are equal and some of them actually fail. So in your business and my business, we're constantly trying new things. The same way we started a business trying new things, 
and you're constantly analyzing, vetting, and deciding what your model is. You're kind of building your airplane as you fly, but you know you're building an airplane. You know where you're going. You just don't know all the pieces that you're going to put on until you've had the experience, right? Just like your life experience, yeah. until you see what happens. All right. Well, my favorite question, John, what sacrifices did you make in your 20s that you'll never regret making? Leaving all my family and friends behind, you know, that was a big sacrifice. Uh, it wasn't easy. You know, I, I left. I, I knew no one. I, I literally we picked up uh, and, and came to the U.S. and uh, left absolutely everything behind. And th that takes a lot. I mean, that's not easy. That's probably the biggest sacrifice you can make. And I, I don't regret that in any way because, uh, you know, I realized that I'd be able to go back eventually and, and of course, stay in touch with everybody. But uh, that's and, and, and forge new friends, too. And uh, so that's uh, something that I will never regret doing. Well, you, you had those time management skills that you developed over your life. You had that philosophy of treating others the way you wanted to be treated. You had the ability to prioritize so you were able to maintain all your old relationships while you started a new life for yourself. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, John, yeah. thank you so much for making time out of your busy day of trying out new lines, improving your business, growing a company that's been going for 28 years to share with some of us how you do it, what the process is. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And in and, and closing, all I got to say is, you know, Things happen for a reason. I live by that. Like, you know, everything's going to happen. You just got to take what it brings uh, to you um, and, and, you know, be able to adapt. And uh, I'm happy that uh, I took these, these chances. And, and I think if you're going to succeed in anything that you do, you got to be able to, to do that. So, um, and just realize that things happen. For, and the last but not least, uh, treat others the way you'd always want to be treated. It's super important in my, my books. <laughs> um, it's, so. super, it's super important in the big book. It's the golden rule. It's the golden rule yeah. that all entrepreneurs live by. And it's been the golden rule for a couple thousand years. Well, John, thank you very much. Have a great day. And thank you for joining us on The Edge of Excellence. Thanks, man. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.